Welcome back to the Sun Also Rises radio show here on KPCG-FM. I'm Jeremiah Jacques, and today's episode is about memory. Many great thinkers have written about how frustrating it is to be at the mercy of a memory that is forgetful and so often unreliable and unpredictable. An ancient proverb says, The palest ink is better than the best memory. The writer Pierce Harris said, Memory is a child walking along a seashore. You can never tell what small pebble it will pick up and store away among its treasured things. And then the French writer, George Duhamel, said, Do not trust your memory. It is a net full of holes, and the most beautiful prizes slip through it. Well, I think most all of us can relate to those sentiments. We forget so much that we want to remember. And then we remember some things that seem insignificant, and we wonder why they remain ever with us. We know that our memories are at the very core of who we are, so it's painful for us to see that they are a net full of holes, as Duhamel said. It's frustrating for us to see how feeble they are, and to know that many of our most beautiful prizes slip through them every week, every month, every year. But in today's episode, I want to share some stories with you that I hope will give you some encouragement about your memory. These are some stories that give us a glimpse into how astoundingly powerful the human memory really is. These stories show that much of what we think is slipping into the abyss every day is not actually gone and forgotten. The first story begins about six years ago in the town of Nin in southern Croatia. A 13-year-old girl named Sandra Ralek lived there, and she had recently started studying the German language at school. Sandra had been taking German classes for less than a year, and anyone who has taken a foreign language course for a year or even two in school knows that your proficiency with a new language after taking classes for that amount of time is typically very modest. You normally would be able to count to 10 or maybe 100 and list some of the color names and animal names. Maybe you'd be able to say a few basic sentences very slowly and with lots of errors. But you'd be unable to formulate complex thoughts. You would be quite a long way off from anything even approaching fluency with that new language. Well, that was the situation for Sandra. She was interested in German, but that interest was casual. And she could not, by any stretch, be said to be an actual fluent speaker of German. It is important to know that Sandra would sometimes try to watch German-language movies as she read the Croatian subtitles on the movies, but reports from her family say that she was not getting much at all out of this. And she was just not doing very well with the German language in general. Well, right around this time, when Sandra was still less than a year into her study of German, she suffered some strange neurological complications and she went into a coma. She remained comatose for about 24 hours. And then she woke up and her doctors and parents were really relieved. And it looked like everything was going to be fine with Sandra. But then... She opened her mouth to speak, and out came streams of fluent, complex German. She was suddenly speaking the German language almost like a native speaker. 
Her coma had left her no longer able to speak Croatian, and her parents and doctors didn't speak German, so they actually had to hire a German translator. That was the only way they could communicate with her. Well, this was a great mystery to her parents and to all of the medical experts on the staff there. It's easy enough to understand how the trauma that Sandra sustained could have damaged the area of her brain that stored her Croatian language skills. That kind of thing happens quite commonly in medical situations that affect the brain. But the big question was, how could Sandra suddenly communicate in German at a level vastly superior to what she was able to speak prior to the coma? Well, there was never any conclusive answer to that question, but the best guess among the neurologists who studied into this case was that the key was the German movies that Sandra had watched. As far as the conscious brain works when it's functioning normally, a beginning language student can't learn much at all from watching movies like this. The people in the film speak too quickly, and the beginner just doesn't have the foundation of vocabulary and grammar to be able to absorb all those foreign sounds and to catalog them off into ordered, accessible memories. That would be almost like a beginner-level guitar student picking up a six-string for just the second or third time and expecting to be able to play an advanced-level song simply because the beginner had heard a master guitarist play that song. That's not how it works with musical instruments, and for the conscious mind, that's not how it works with learning languages either. But for Sandra's subconscious, watching those German-language movies was far from fruitless. Some part of her brain had absorbed vast quantities of German-language knowledge from those movies. Some deep part of her brain had compartmentalized and stored all of that knowledge. And she was unaware of those vast storehouses of knowledge until she emerged from that coma, after her brain had suffered the mysterious trauma. For an unknown reason, the trauma unlocked all of that information, and she was fluent in German. Eventually, Sandra regained the ability to speak Croatian, but she never lost the ability to speak German. This was a highly unusual phenomenon. Sandra had a part of her brain unlocked in a way that baffled not just her parents, but also the experts who were involved with it. It is a highly unusual situation, but it's not totally unheard of. There's an Australian man named Ben McMahon who studied a little bit of Mandarin when he was young, but he was never anything even close to fluent in it. But then in 2012, he was in a car accident which left him in a coma for a week. Doctors said he would be fortunate to even survive the accident. But he did survive, and when he woke up, he had forgotten how to speak English, but he was suddenly fluent in Mandarin. And just like the case with Sandra, Ben eventually regained his ability to speak English, but he never lost the ability to speak Mandarin. He lives now in Shanghai, and his Mandarin is so good that native speakers sometimes tell him that he commands the language better than they do. The next story I'd like to tell you about happened here in the United States. It happened in the state of Colorado back in 2006. 
A 40-year-old man named Derek Amato made a mistake as he was diving into a swimming pool, and he hit his head. He ended up sustaining a severe concussion, which gave him some permanent severe hearing loss in one year. Well, several days after he was released from the hospital, Derek was at his friend Rick's house, and he discovered another totally unexpected consequence of his swimming pool accident. Here is Derek explaining this discovery in an interview he gave to NPR earlier this year. So we went over to his apartment, and we're, we were just hanging out, and he had this tiny keyboard, just, just this little piece of junk in the corner, and it was just on the stand, dusty, and not sure if it had ever been played. And I kept staring at it as we were talking, and we were just sitting talking like just like this. And I kept looking at it and looking at it, curious. I was like, not sure why I was drawn to it. And I finally just walked over to it, and I thought, I'll just hit a few of these keys. I, I turn it on and see what happens. I had no clue. And I sat down, and my fingers just went crazy. My fingers were like somebody just... I don't know, Rick said the ghost of Beethoven jumped into my body. I don't know how else to explain it. I went crazy and just played and played, and it, and it wasn't like I was just picking away. So as a result of this head injury, Derek was suddenly, unexpectedly, a proficient pianist, at least in a certain manner of playing. It's important to know that Derek did have some previous experience with musical instruments. He had dabbled on the guitar during part of his adolescence, but he hadn't ever become proficient on it or any other instrument. So it was a really moving discovery for Derek to realize that he could suddenly play the piano so well. In another interview, He described what it was like to play the piano for the first time after his accident. He said, As I shut my eyes, I found these black and white structures moving from left to right, which in fact would represent in my mind a fluid and continuous stream of musical notation. My fingers began to scale the piano keys as if I had played all of my life. I can't explain the feeling of awe that overcame my entire being. Although I can tell you, The expression on my friend's face was enough to put us both in tears. I could not only play and compose, but I would later discover that I could recall a prior played piece of music as if it had been etched in my mind's eye. Well, shortly after the swimming pool accident, Derek left his corporate job to pursue a career in music. He now plays eight instruments proficiently, which he had no previous experience with, and he has sharply improved his skills on the guitar, which, as I mentioned earlier, he had lightly dabbled with before the accident. Here is a short clip of Derek playing the piano. So it sounds pretty impressive to me anyway, and the neurology experts who have studied into Derek's case say he has something called acquired musical savant syndrome. 
They said his sudden fluidity and his sudden mastery on the piano came from the fact that he had actively listened to music for all of his life. And during all of the time that he had spent listening to music, and during the time that he had spent tinkering away on his guitar in his earlier years, his brain was absorbing and filing musical knowledge and understanding away. It was all being recorded in his subconscious. Derek never had access to all of that musical understanding until he struck his head on the bottom of that pool. That blow to his cranium apparently unlocked the vault in his subconscious where all of that knowledge and understanding had been stored. The last story I'd like to share with you also gives us a glimpse into the astounding potential of the human memory and brain, but this one is a little different from the others we've discussed. This next one is not about a person whose mind was suddenly unlocked, so to speak, by an injury or trauma. This one is about a person who was born with a very unusual and an extremely exceptional mind. His name was Kim Peake. He was born in Salt Lake City in 1951, and by the time of his death in 2009, he could recall every single detail from 9,000 books that he had read. Peake would read two pages at a time. The right page he would read with his right eye, and the left page with his left eye. He would devour an entire book in about an hour and comprehend and remember virtually everything recorded in its pages for the rest of his life. When he was quizzed on what he had read, Kim could pull a fact from his mental archives as quickly as any search engine can mine the internet. Peek was a savant, but experts say that he was an extremely rare type, which they called a mega-savant. Most savants have just one area in which they specialize and become exceptionally knowledgeable, but for Peek, everything stuck. He was considered a high-level genius in 15 different subjects, politics, literature, sports, the British monarchy, geography, dates, and many other broad subjects. Here is a clip of an audience quizzing Peek on various obscure questions. When was Sir Walter Riley executed? October 29th, 1618. <laughs> and what day of the week was that? It was a Thursday. <laughs> Who was the game-winning pitcher of Game 3 in the 1926 World Series? The, the Cardinals won it with Grover Cleveland Alexander. <laughs> Seven hundred and fourteen. <laughs> right, thank you. Who were the four people on the George Washington cabinet? Jefferson, Knox, Hamilton, and Randolph. There you go. In addition to knowing all of those facts, Peek was also incredible with numbers. When he turned 18, he got a job calculating the payroll 
for 160 employees of a certain company. And he did the work in less than two hours every pay period without a calculator. When he left that job, it took two full-time accountants and a computer to accomplish what he had been doing in less than two hours every pay period. It's clear that Peake's mental capacity and his memory were truly astounding, but there was a problem. Even though he knew a staggering amount, he could not function socially or take care of himself. Peake was never able to learn to button up his shirt, and he could only walk in kind of a sidelong fashion. For all of Peake's gifts, he also had some debilitating impairments. He was born without the bundle of nerves that links the two hemispheres of the brain together. This was the cause of his impairments, but neurologists say that this was also the cause of his exceptional memory. To compensate for that absence of nerves, his brain forged an unusual set of neural pathways. The result was an uneven brain. He was seriously impaired in some fundamental ways, but he was exceptional beyond words in others. When we come back, we'll talk about what these stories of people with exceptional minds might mean for those of us with normal minds. You're listening to The Sun Also Rises on KPCG. We'll be right back. We'll be right back to The Sun Also Rises here on 101.3 KPCG, streaming live online, kpcg.fm, and a live link at thetrumpet.com. Fascinating program today. Uh, It's amazing what the human mind can do, but there is a great potential in man that goes far beyond uh, the ability to memorize letters and numbers and music, an incredible potential that very few have even ever thought of. It's revealed in the Bible, and that is explained in our free book, The Incredible Human Potential, written by the late Herbert W. Armstrong. This is a free book. It's at thetrumpet.com. Request your own copy of The Incredible Human Potential and find out what your potential and your future is. Uh, It's beyond man's wildest dreams. The Incredible Human Potential. Request it at thetrumpet.com. Welcome back to The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG. Today's episode is about memory. Before the break, we discussed examples of people becoming suddenly fluent in a new language or suddenly proficient on a new instrument or who were just born with memory and recall that are basically limitless. These situations give us a rare glimpse, a mysterious glimpse into how astoundingly powerful the human memory is. For this last segment here, we'll get into a little bit about what these exceptional situations may mean for each one of us. Well, they do not mean that we should go out and try to fall into a coma or try to hit our heads on the bottom of a pool so that we can learn a language or the piano. They do not mean that we should 
wish to have been born without the bundle of nerves that connect our brain's hemispheres. The overwhelming majority of injuries or birth defects do not reveal some inner secret genius. Almost 100% of the time, those kinds of things have strictly negative outcomes. But these unusual stories do imply that each one of us has worlds within us. To borrow a line from Walt Whitman, we contain multitudes. We have gifts and vast storehouses of knowledge that we do not know that we possess. The Creator designed our minds and brains so that in normal circumstances we can't easily access all of the information we encounter unless we have repeatedly and fastidiously studied that information or if it was something that was imprinted on us deeply because of an emotional impact. God designed our memories and recall abilities as they are. It seems that He wants to see which kinds of information we are willing to work hard in order to keep at our fingertips. He wants us to labor diligently to remember what matters most, which is the truth about His plan. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Hebrews 2. In verse 1 there, he said that he and his fellow Hebrews needed to give the more earnest heed to the truths God was revealing to them. Paul said they had to do this to prevent those truths from slipping away. He knew how fleeting the human memory normally is. Then in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote on the same topic again, saying, You are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. That's 1 Corinthians 15.2, and it's an enormous if. It basically says a Christian's salvation depends on his working hard to keep in memory the truth. These admonitions would not be necessary if we could just hear or read something one time and then have it permanently etched into our memory. Rare cases like those of Sandra and Derek and, and Mr. Peak suggest that the human mind and memory are far more impressive than most of us realize, but most of us can't tap into its full ability right now. The late Herbert W. Armstrong wrote extensively about the potential of the human mind and memory. During the break, we heard an advertisement for one of his books called The Incredible Human Potential. And in that book, he explained that the human mind's staggering capacity is made possible by the spirit component that the Creator God built into it. Mr. Armstrong wrote, A person sees, hears, and thinks through his physical brain and the five senses, but it is the spirit in man that imparts the power of physical intellect to the physical brain, thus forming the human mind. Mr. Armstrong came to see that this spirit in man records every shred of information perceived by the senses throughout a person's lifetime. Here's another quote. This spirit records every thought, every bit of knowledge received through the five senses. All memory is stored in this spirit computer. Memory is recorded in the human spirit 
whether or not it is also recorded in the gray matter of the brain. So that tells us why our brains have such a staggering capacity to absorb, compartmentalize, and store the information that our senses perceive. Right now we don't have access to the bulk of what is stored up there, but every word we've ever read or heard is stored there. Everything we've ever witnessed, every syllable we've ever uttered, and every note we've ever heard, it's all on file, stored away. The Bible tells us that a time is on the horizon, potentially for each one of us, when a better life will begin. You can take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35 through 58, to see some very inspiring details about that time. And at that time, it is likely that we'll be handed the keys to unlock our memories. We'll be able to swim freely through the oceans of knowledge in our memories. We'll have full and easy access to all of it. When this resource is tapped, we will have the benefits that cases like Sandra's and Derek's and Peak's give us a glimpse into with absolutely none of the downsides that they suffered. I think that what this means for each of us is that we should educate ourselves carefully. We should read voraciously. We should keep from succumbing to frustration about how feeble our memories presently are. Because one day, the vault doors may swing wide open. I'm Jeremiah Jacques, and we are coming to the end of The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG-FM. We really appreciate you listening today and hope that you will give us your feedback and comments. Please just email tsar at kpcg.fm. And if you liked this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. It will help other people to find The Sun Also Rises podcast. Well, I would like to thank the KPCG operations manager, Dwight Falk, and the production assistant, Josh Sloan. And I'll leave you with these words from the Scottish novelist, Sir J.M. Barrie. God gave us memories so that we might have roses in December. Well, thank you again, and please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of The Sun Also Rises.